Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. Crystal tells me there's a lot going on lately, so I'm excited to hear all about it. That's right. We have a lot to talk about, and we're going to start with an update in the case that is the never-ending Murdoch story. Oh, did he get a new iPad? Did <laughs> no, he got it taken away, remember? Snuck into the prison. This is from an article from WSAV. Alec Murdoch's defense team is throwing some serious allegations at the Colleton County Clerk of Court. Quote, there is no choice but for the courts to grant a new trial. End quote. What Says the heck? Jim Griffin. What are you talking about? What in the world? <laughs> this is according to Jim Griffin, Alec Murdoch's defense attorney. On Tuesday, Murdoch's attorneys filed a 65-page motion for a new trial. Murdoch's defense attorneys say that he didn't get a fair trial because they allege the guilty conviction was tainted by the clerk of court. Well, I would love to hear this because I, I was not aware that this mm-hmm. has been happening. It's been brewing, apparently. After months of speaking to jurors, Murdoch's attorneys now say they have evidence that he'll influence jurors, and that's the clerk of court. Oh, no. The clerk of court is the person that makes sure the jury gets their food if they're put up for the night, someplace to stay, if their travel accommodations are met, said Dick Corputlian, Alec Murdoch's other defense attorney. They're not someone that should ever talk to them about the case. I've never had it happen. Again, I've been doing this for a very long time. Never heard of it happening until this case. Mm, Well, this sounds like it could be serious. I know it doesn't take very much sometimes for a technicality to just absolutely Mm -hmm. derail things that have happened, right? Right. One of the most serious allegations claims Hill got a juror removed who was leaning towards a not guilty verdict. They claim Hill made up a story about the juror's ex-husband's Facebook post. In that post, it discussed he and his ex-wife's talks about the case. Hill brought it to the judge's attention after Murdoch testified. However, the defense said the timeline doesn't match up. They say the post was deleted on February 15th, and the only post remaining was an apology posted the next day. Defense attorneys say the ex-husband told them he never posted anything. Miss Hill is telling Judge Newman on February 23rd that I just saw this Facebook post. Impossible, impossible, Griffin said. We also have in their sworn testimony that Mrs. Hill told this juror that SLED went out and confirmed with your ex-husband that he posted it. Not true, according to sworn testimony. So this is true. This could be a problem. So if this is true and this is all real, does that mean that everything that's happened up to this point would have to be redone from scratch? <laughs> if he gets a new trial, yes. So nothing that's happened already, it'd be like it never happened. It's like it never happened. They'd have to start all over with a whole new trial. Imagine the time, money, effort that's going to take. My goodness. And if they do that, can a new judge like decide that maybe some evidence they have before is inadmissible this mm-hmm. time or vice versa? That's what they're hoping for, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So, well, just totally, you know what? Let's ban TikTok. TikTok <laughs> videos and Snapchat videos Snapchat. are not allowed in the courtroom. The attorneys also said Hill told jurors not to believe the evidence from the defense and to not be fooled by Murdoch when he took the stand. So you cannot do that. You cannot tell jurors. Why would this person do that? Clearly, they know they're not allowed to tamper with the jury in any way, even something as simple as this. The clerk of court would go into the sanctity of the jury room before he testified and tell the jurors, don't be fooled by his testimony. Watch out for his body language. So saying that she's... Giving them... Putting a doubt in their mind. Yeah, before they even hear it. Because they're not supposed to. Even if you totally believe they're guilty, I would assume that that's a conflict of interest there. And you're going to be like, well, you know, let them make their own decisions based off the evidence presented by the lawyers. 
They say Hill told jurors, quote, it shouldn't take us long to find Murdoch guilty once deliberation started. Oh, collusion. And they also say Hill didn't allow anyone to take smoke breaks until they reached a verdict, but throughout the trial, she allowed it. I don't know what this is, but I know how it affected these jurors. Oh, yeah, that could be a problem. You want to smoke a cigarette, (laughs) and you're a smoker, and you're in a high-stress situation, which I assume every bit of this was high-stress for those jurors. That's like really tampering with their well-being, even though, you know, smoking is a well-being situation, but I'm talking about the mental (laughs) aspect of it. The wall of silence from jurors was lifted after Hill's book was released in July, according to the attorneys. So apparently she wrote a book. Aha, she got the inside story. The first juror we talked to, we got information about Miss Hill saying, don't be fooled. And the second juror, independent of the first juror, says the same thing. And the third, independent of the others, say the same thing, Griffin said. And we're very confident that the information is accurate. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) WSAV reached out to Hill on Tuesday, but at this time she has no comment. Shocker. Uh Uh-oh. That's because she's been caught. From Tuesday... The attorney general has 10 days to respond to the motion. However, even if he throws the guilty verdict out, Murdoch still faces more than 100 state and federal charges for financial crimes. Forgot about that little yeah, but caveat. That's <laughs> a big difference. I imagine he'd probably still serve a ton of time on it, but I would see that it might be conceivable that he could see the light of day Strike again. Some sort of deal. Maybe. But, you know, when you're convicted of double homicide, I don't think you're getting out of jail. Yeah, and you know you're going to have a different judge, and I don't know if it's going to be, you know. Like, and you I know think that Judge that Newman judge, did a great job. That judge hated him, so well, he might get one that's more favorable. I think he hated him. I think he just saw that he was guilty and wanted to give him a fair trial, but yeah. at the same time, he wasn't putting up with nonsense. Well, I think he hated him because, because he of what knew he did. him, yeah. and he knew what he represented in the position of power he was in, mm-hmm. and he felt like it was an absolute betrayal of his trust that's placed in him by the public and the justice system. Yeah, because he, they work for the same system. It just seems like that should not have happened in the place where it happened. I mean, why, why did they have this entire case heard in his hometown. Why didn't they like take it to a different location? I don't know. I'm sure they tried to. I can't remember, but I'm sure they wanted it moved out of Colleton County or whatever. I'm sure the defense would have loved to have it moved out of Colleton oh, yeah. County if they'd get a retrial, wouldn't they? They would have. And other news about Alec Murdoch. The story of convicted killer Alec Murdoch will come to life once again in a new Lifetime movie dubbed Murdoch Murders the Movie. Which will that be, just sounds ridiculous. Murdoch Murders, the movie. <laughs> Which will be released as a two-night event on October 14th and 15th at 8, 7 Central. They could not wait to cash in on this, could they? Mm-hmm. The disgraced attorney rose to infamy after he was convicted of shooting and killing his wife Maggie and son Paul on their Moselle property on June 7th, 2021. The film will star Bill Pullum as Alec Murdoch, as well as Lauren Robeck as Maggie and Curtis Tweedy as Paul. I am such a huge fan of Curtis Tweedy. I want to know what the guy looks like. Yeah, I am That's a, a cool huge name. fan of Curtis. I, I don't know who he is. <laughs> I'm not even sure if, you know, I have any clue I don't. what he looks like, but just based he on his name. He must be redheaded or the dinosaur. Yeah. This isn't the first time Alec Murdoch's story will be featured on television. Other documentaries include Murdoch Murders, A Southern Scandal on Netflix, Alec Murdoch, Death, Deception, Power on Oxygen, Murdoch Murders, Deadly Dynasty on Investigation Discovery and Discovery Plus and Dateline, Murdoch, Power, Privilege, and Scandal on NBC. So it's a good thing he can't profit off of this. Do you think that he likes the fact that he's so in the public eye, because even he's though an it's showing him probably. in a 
unfavorable light. Probably. You, because he has fans. Yeah. Well, obviously. Apparently I've heard I mean, about he's on it. OnlyFans, for goodness sake. So, yeah. OnlyFans. And I didn't, <laughs> that ain't where you go to buy your ventilation equipment, I found <laughs> out when I was typing that in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> of course I wasn't. Recently, South Carolina court clerk Rebecca Hill also released a memoir on August 1st about her role in the case called Behind the Doors of Justice, the Murdoch Murders. Mm. Everything has to say the Murdoch Murders. We've got to say it because that's the search term. You know, <laughs> you got to put that in your title. Currently, Alec Murdoch's defense attorneys are saying that she may have influenced jurors to secure a book deal and are asking for a new trial. The movie was revealed as part of Lifetime's Ripped from the Headlines lineup. <laughs> it will be featured as the network's 500th original movie. Oh my goodness! So basically, a this woman. Movie. I'm working. I'm working on my own novel. It's called Murdoch Murders: The Case of the Tampered Jury. Yeah, <laughs> that really sounds like a Perry Mason episode, <laughs> though, don't it? Yeah. So there's also a show that someone. Uh, I think it was Savannah sent us with Buster Murdoch speaking out for the first time. Yeah, I think it's on Fox News or something. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I, but I, you said you want to see it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that. I think we've talked enough about this crazy man and his. Crazy motions. Exactly. We'll find out. He'll only have 10 days to respond to that motion. I bet it's going to get denied. Why wouldn't it be? Well, if she really did do it, I don't know how they could just ignore it. What does it take to, well, in any situation, some judge or somebody has to determine whether or not it is something that actually warrants a new trial, It seems like they'll go to those jurors and question them and get the truth from them, specific, not According to Jim Griffin or Dick Harpootlin, they want to hear it from the juror. Okay. Did this woman say that to you? Well, she did. Let's say she did. Well, if she did, and then, then the jurors I don't say see they did. What choice Does they that have? Mean, who makes that decision? Does it a judge? A judge. But, or, but it's not like it a guaranteed a, retrial. It's just they have to determine whether it's something that might actually have affected the outcome of the trial. Well, they're either going to dismiss his char, I mean, his conviction entirely, which would put him free until he's convicted on these other crimes. I wouldn't do that. Yeah. That man disappeared. Yeah. You don't think he would disappear? Yeah. So let's move on to something a little lighter about Tybee. A little bit lighter, huh? Yeah, yeah, this is crazy. You told me this story when we were sitting <laughs> on a golf cart earlier, yeah. and I, I said, this man is my new hero. <laughs> a man who was attempting to cross the Atlantic Ocean from Florida to Britain was arrested just off the coast of Tybee last week, the Daily Mail reports. Now, when you read this, you immediately think, this man has some sort of craft mm-hmm. that can travel like from America to Britain. Like a boat. A boat. Uh, you know, a, jet a, ski, a, a yacht, uh, a rowboat. But that's not at all what happens here. Reza Baluchi, 51, was detained after traveling 70 miles following a three-day standoff with the U.S. Coast Guard. The vessel was intercepted on August 28th, and Baluchi was brought ashore by September 1st. Now, before you say what's about to happen here, I gotta say, let me pop up the picture of what this craft is before you announce it. And yeah. then everybody can get the full feeling. And if you're not watching it, you need to go look at our social media. You really do, because this thing needs to be seen to be believed. The, quote, hamster wheel <laughs> <laughs> consists of a metal drum with paddles on either side of the contraption that can float, which allows him to run across the surface of the water, something that the Coast Guard would refer to as Quote, conducting a manifestly unsafe voyage, end quote. Not not what they would call it. (laughs) That's what they would call it. That's what any normal human being would call it. (laughs) So it's literally like running in a hamster wheel across the ocean. That's pretty cool, actually. But I get really tired real quick. 
So what I got to ask you is, is like, I assume there's some sort of device that keeps him upright. I, I can't see it. But is there a place for a cooler to keep his beer? Of course. How else is he going to stay hydrated? And have odors emitting yeah. while crossing the Atlantic. <laughs> He's got a special um, watertight case for that. Of course. According to the Daily Mail, when Bellucci was approached by authorities, he threatened to take his own life with a 12-inch knife and also said that he had a bomb on board the vessel. However, after two days, Bellucci admitted that there was no bomb and eventually joined officers on their boat a day later. A career runner and professional cycler, this isn't the first time Bellucci has been arrested during one of his stunts. He's had multiple run-ins with the law from 2014 to 2021. Each instance involving the human hamster wheel. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's like literally everything I've done it's that huge. involves Look law enforcement is uh, there's a hamster wheel. he is in it. Like, that's huge. Are you sure that's a real person and not like a baby doll? I don't know. That is crazy. It is. It's it's actually, it's actually quite impressive. It is impressive. Really, it's impressive. Although the person seems to, you know, have some sort of issues. And he's a little unhinged or something. Or maybe he's more hinged than anybody. Maybe. And he knows what's going Just on. Just let him go across the freaking ocean in the hamster wheel. What does it matter to you? I mean, who's it going to hurt except for except maybe for him? him. <laughs> I think he's willing to take that risk. I guess they just didn't want him to have freedom. He keeps trying. In 2014, he attempted to travel from Pompano Beach in Florida to Bermuda, Puerto Rico, and then back to Miami. But the trip was cut short after authorities judged the situation as too dangerous. In 2016, he tried to cross the Atlantic to reach Bermuda once again, this time taking a slightly different route, first traveling through Jacksonville, but was spotted seven miles into the trip. He didn't get very far. I didn't stop. I should not have stopped at that Ikea on the way. <laughs> I did hear they had that new Halloween collection yeah, coming up. Yeah, I'm interested so, in that. Yeah. Just two years ago, Bellucci embarked from St. Augustine, Florida, on a journey to New York. But this time, he ended up washing ashore in Flagler County, Florida. <laughs> this ain't Britain. <laughs> Today, Bellucci faces federal charges of obstruction of boarding, and violation of a captain of the port order. Now that's that a sounds, new charge. Yeah, that sounds like one we haven't heard yeah. yet, but I do feel like somehow, magically, it probably won't be the last time we say that on this show. Yeah, it might come later today. We don't know. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> we have one more story that wasn't on the blotter, which may come up later because it happened uh, after they released the blotter, but it was on their Facebook page. Okay. And this is the, from the Tybee Island Police Department's Facebook. All right. And this was September 5th. At approximately 7.25 p.m., the Tybee Island Police Department received a 911 call in reference to a possible shooting. At that time, the caller stated that he had been shot by an unknown suspect and was currently on his way to the hospital by a private vehicle. Okay. While speaking with communications personnel, the driver of the vehicle decided to pull over, allowing our officers to respond and make contact with the occupants. During the course of the initial investigation... Our officers learned that the alleged suspect was actually the driver of the vehicle. Aha, so the tables have turned. It turns out we shot each other. You know they saw that coming, too. I wondered, because you told me about this. I haven't seen the update, but you said that they got shot. And then I thought it was so weird that somebody got shot. They're on the way to the hospital, and instead they pulled over to talk to police. Mm -hmm. And then I find out, you know, there's more to this story. The suspect was subsequently taken into custody, and the victim was transported to a hospital for medical treatment. At this time, officers are currently following up on this incident across two different scenes. As a result, Alley 3 and a nearby private drive have been closed to all foot and vehicle traffic. 
And that's a big deal for around mm-hmm. here, isn't it? Because Alley 3 is where everybody puts their kayaks on, in, on in, the west yeah. side of the island. Yeah. This is an active and ongoing investigation, and no further information is available at this time. And then the update was, officers have cleared the scene. Alley 3 and the surrounding areas are open, but we don't know anything further. Oh, the status good. of the person. It must not have been life-threatening injuries. I'm sure Since he was able to updates. be, yeah. he probably got shot in the toe or yeah. something, or maybe just took a little it offside of the hip. Probably a domestic dispute of some sort. Yeah, he's like, I don't care <laughs> if you want tater tots. I wanted French fries. And then well, I did see shot. the picture of the suspect on WSAV. Yeah, so it's exactly what you'd expect. Sort of like the Bigfoot trailer picture yeah, that you kind had of a in a redneck, episode. Kind of a redneck guy. Bigfoot yeah. is my. Son's father. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. It, it wouldn't shock you uh, that he shot someone not. and then drove them to the hospital. Yeah. Well, now that we've got those stories out of the way, let's dive into what you've all come here for, which is... The Tybee Island Police Blotter. So, Crystal... I was about to say Layla and Coffee Layla Talk. And coffee <laughs> talk. so trained. Uh, well, it seems like you are definitely on the ball at a different time. (laughs) But it'll come into play in a few weeks. On Monday, August 21st, 2023, just before 2 a.m., one of our officers was conducting foot patrol on the beach when he found a woman lying face down in the sand. That's never good. That sounds like the lyrics to a song. (laughs) After making several attempts, he was finally able to wake the woman. During the course of their subsequent conversation, the officer noticed that the woman's speech was heavily slurred and that there was a strong odor similar to that of an alcoholic drink emitting from her body who hasn't been there, laying face down on the well, beach. we went to a bar in Savannah, <laughs> and we saw a woman laying on the sidewalk. And we had to call are, 911. There are a lot of homeless people she wasn't in homeless, Savannah. Yeah. So a lot of times it's not unusual to see homeless people sitting in the steps of a building or wherever. So you see mm-hmm. that, and you're sort of used to it. But this woman looked out of place, mm-hmm. and she was so passed out. I mean, she could have died of alcohol mm-hmm. poisoning. Maybe she did. I hope she didn't. No, she got arrested, though. She had a warrant. Well, yeah, well, who Which don't? Which I found out from later I mean, from a bartender we know. But, I mean, who don't? Really? <laughs> when asked where she was supposed to be staying that evening, the woman had great difficulty providing a clear answer and seemed unable or unwilling to follow simple instructions. She was then placed under arrest and charged with disorderly conduct. So, no public drunkenness. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Later that day, officers responded to a residence in the area of South Campbell Avenue in reference to a mini camper, which had been burglarized. Oh, no, not burgled. <laughs> They've been burgled. wonder if it's those juveniles again. Um, If you don't bring up juveniles on this episode, uh, there's going to be issues. While speaking with our team, the victim stated that he noticed a pool of water underneath the camper's air conditioning unit, which led him to believe that it had been turned on recently. Closer inspection revealed that several sodas in the mini fridge had been emptied and then put back into place. This sounds a lot like juveniles to me. Nothing else appeared to be missing at the time. A report was filed and the case was forwarded to investigations. I know who it is. So there's no resolution. We know it's the juveniles. Of course it's the juveniles. All 150 (laughs) of them were in that mini camper taking drinks out and running AC. What great detective work by our police department. They'll find them. On Wednesday, August 23rd, one of our officers conducted a traffic stop on a vehicle after noticing that the driver was not wearing a seatbelt. Which is always like the first sign of somebody that has outstanding warrants, Mm -hmm. I think. 
During the stop, the driver appeared visibly nervous and initially provided the officer with a fake name and date of birth. I'm John Johnson. <laughs> How does anyone think they're going to get away with that? From like- <laughs> Johnsonville, Johnson State. <laughs> From Yuma. <laughs> where my, Papa Giorgio. That, that's where my wife and children are currently. <laughs> I work in the software business. <laughs> exactly. No one's going to get that, Crystal. Nobody, <laughs> me and you and three other people, people, even Chevy Chase has probably never watched that movie. <laughs> When asked why the officer was able to smell an odor of marijuana emitting from within the vehicle, the driver responded that he did not have any marijuana and incorrectly insisted that the odor alone did not give the officer probable cause to search. (laughs) He knows the law. Look, I've read a book before. The driver then rolled up his window and refused to comply (laughs) with several instructions to roll it back down again. If I can't see you, then you don't know I'm here. It's cat logic. (laughs) At that time, a backup officer utilized a glass-breaking tool to shatter the window and received oh, no. a significant. Oh no, he received a significant injury in the process. I could have told him how to do that without that. Yeah, you get a big rock and throw it from a distance. No, you know you can take a toilet plunger and duct tape and open a window and it won't break it. Yeah, but how is that any fun compared to using a rock from a distance? <laughs> well, you don't get an injury. Well, you won't get an injury from a distance either. <laughs> now, maybe the driver might. The driver was then removed from the vehicle and placed under arrest. During the course of the subsequent search, officers found a loaded handgun. Of oh, course they no. did. They found probably found a whole bunch of warrants laying around in this vehicle. <laughs> he just keeps them. <laughs> sort of like the way you get a parking <laughs> you ticket. You just open the all dash these warrants and they for all arrest are just right here. <laughs> so they found a loaded handgun and a bag containing a substance which field tested positive for cocaine. What's never going to be baking powder. Never no. is. After the driver stated that the cocaine did not belong to him, That's my uncle's. his female passenger was also placed under arrest. Oh, he threw her under the bus. Oh, no. Both were charged with possession of a controlled substance. It's this devil woman here. It's her <laughs> cocaine. I just brought the marijuana. I, I didn't bring nothing. Then these warrants are her fault. <laughs> the driver was transported to the Chatham County Detention Center on the charges of seatbelt violation, possession of a controlled substance. Providing a false name and date of birth to law enforcement, possession of a firearm during the commission of a crime, and felony obstruction. Had a lot going on there. The woman was likewise transported to the Chatham County Detention Center, where it was discovered that she was also in possession of a bag of marijuana. That leads me to believe that they found that out because they searched her body, and it can only make me wonder where she's hiding at. I thought it was in her purse. Oh, well, maybe well, not. Well, it wasn't found until then. Oh. <laughs> don't they do like a strip search when you go to jail? I don't know. I hope this not. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> don't get arrested. Don't do drugs. Been, Kids, don't do drugs. It could have been like in her pockets or something. You know. Yeah, that's what we'll say. The injured officer received medical treatment at a local hospital and has since returned to duty. Congratulations, officer, on your thank fine you. thank work. You, thank you. We appreciate it. Later that day, officers responded to the area of J.C. Park in reference to a fight. During the course of the investigation, officers learned that the suspect struck the victim with a metal object several times during an argument over $3. <laughs> I want my $3. <laughs> like anyone's going to get that movie. I know it's $2. I know. Like I any, know it's $2. Anyone's going to get that movie either. I bet more people get that than we get the other one. Hey, I tell you what, if you listen to our podcast and you email us and tell us the name of the two movies that we have just referenced. Two obscure movies. These two obscure, semi-obscure movies. If you email us that, 
then we're going to enter you into a drawing to win something cool. It might just be stickers. Something might cool be like cool, this. Voychek. Could be a shirt. shirt. We're bo- which, speaking of that, if you check us out, we're both wearing two of the new shirts from the podcast. It's uh, I've got the one for uh, Big Alien. And Crystal's got on the Voychek shirt, mm-hmm. which looks really cool. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening and you get to this point, send us the names of those two movies. You can do it on our website. I want my $2, like you said. Yeah, I want my $2. And the second movie reference we did earlier was, I'm from Yuma, where I work in the software business. And that's paraphrasing, but if you know, you know. (laughs) Papa Giorgio. Yes. I'll give it away. The suspect was then placed under arrest and charged with aggravated assault. On Friday, August 25th, officers responded to a report of a man sleeping behind a dumpster at the Department of Public Works facility on Polk Street. Well, I do that at least twice a week. Isn't that near where our friend lives? Apartment of the dumpster. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right behind it. (laughs) That's a very nice dumpster. It is a it's a fine dumpster. (laughs) As officers approached, the man attempted to run away, but was quickly captured. A search of his pockets revealed a bag of marijuana and a glass pipe containing suspected methamphetamine. How do we have so many drug-addled people in this island? I just don't know. He was then charged with criminal trespass, obstruction, possession of a drug-related object, and possession of a controlled substance. You know what they call those glass pipes on the street, don't you? I don't know. I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Oh, so it must be obscene. Yes. I would have to bleep it out. Mm -hmm, You you can tell me after we hit pause, I guess. Okay. It's a glass. (laughs) Now I have to go in and do an edit. You're making this job hard. Oh, that was funny. On Saturday, August 26, one of our officers was monitoring traffic in the area of Butler Avenue when he checked the vehicle speed at 46 miles per hour in the 30 mile per hour zone. Mm. After stopping the vehicle, the officer learned that the driver did not have a license. He also he learned that the driver was a four-year-old child. Well, how was this work? He was then cited accordingly and allowed to leave the scene on foot. How we know you didn't mean bad. <laughs> I would take your car, we but know you, you can didn't leave. mean well. Here's your book bag, kid. Get on <laughs> to kindergarten. <laughs> I did hear a story where a dad had his 10-year-old driving him home because he was drinking too much, and so he didn't want to drive. So I let, guess he just figured that was safer. So he let the 10-year-old drive. And, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And the 10-year-old. I mean, the kids probably played video games. He probably knows how a car He works. plays Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> he knows you know what you do in that? Like drive off cliffs and run over uh, street <laughs> workers? I don't know what you call that. Sex workers. Sex workers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, this kid wasn't using his blinkers, and that's what caught oh, him called. Oh, dad gum kid. I know. Well, I mean, we don't know that this is a child. This is probably a seven-year-old lady, I'm guessing. Could have been. <laughs> Even Here's your walker. Get out of here. Even that was a man. Get out of here, mister. <laughs> <laughs> On Sunday, August 27th, officers responded to the area of Sanctuary Place. I don't even know where that is. I've never heard of In it. In reference to several cars having been broken into. During the course of the investigation, officers learned that four vehicles had been rummaged through, but nothing of value appeared to have been taken. A report was filed and the case was forwarded to investigations. I'm guessing they didn't have any CDs. Well, when you say nothing of value, it probably means whatever it is that was of value in the cars, the people on the cars didn't want to tell the cops about. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not telling you about my handguns. Ooh, and my, there uh, were several loaded AK-47s <laughs> in that bad boy. But uh, no, nothing of value was taken, officer. <laughs> One of our officers conducted a traffic stop on a vehicle after noticing that several of its occupants were not wearing seatbelts. During the course of the stop, the officer learned that one of the vehicle's passengers had an active warrant 
through another jurisdiction. The passenger was then placed under arrest and transported to the Chatham County Detention Center. So it's like, the first thing that you need to do when you pull people over is, okay, just which one of you has the active warrant? Yeah. Who's got the handgun? Like, And who's got the meth? <laughs> who's got the meth? Yeah, who's got all those? <laughs> and sometimes it might be all three of you. Yeah. All three might have the same thing. <laughs> but we do have to ask to be you know, perfectly clear. On Monday, August 28th, officers responded to an address in the area of Chatham Avenue in reference to a report of damage to property. While speaking with our team, the complainant stated that a delivery driver had accidentally struck a pole on their property, damaging the water line below in the process. What was Thomas doing there? Oh, no. <laughs> if he'd have been driving, he probably would have just taken he the, whole kept going. the whole property. The whole property would be gone. Up. According to the complainant, the driver gave her his phone number and that of his supervisor before leaving the scene. The Tybee Island Water Department responded to the scene to shut off the water and assess the damage to the line. A report was filed and the complainant was provided with the necessary information to obtain a copy for follow-up. So it just seems like a little accident. Big yeah, truck. He didn't mean nothing by. He just had to get out of here. <laughs> it's crowded. Amazon, you have to deliver those packages in a timely manner. He ain't got time to wait around for the Department of Public Works. That's exactly. I mean, we went to go get our golf cart inspected today, and they granted they're on their lunch hour, and they get to get one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I got things to do. <laughs> I got places to be. I got water mains to crash through <laughs> on my golf cart. I will say it was a very pleasant experience getting our golf cart inspected. It the was. They was it was code enforcement fast, efficient. The code enforcement officer who helped us was very friendly and very efficient. He didn't just help us. He saved a man's life. <laughs> no, he no. didn't actually save a guy's life. A guy brought his kid up and he had a scratch back and, and he called, called a, a lifeguard to come put a bandaid on or yeah, something. But, <laughs> but still, if but his life had been threatened, they were public serving. They would today. have saved it. <laughs> yes, they were very pleasant today. On Tuesday, August 29th, officers responded to an address in the area of Medden Drive in reference to a fire. Mm. Upon their arrival, they found a golf cart <laughs> on fire with flames reaching approximately 20 feet in the air. Sweet. Here comes your juveniles, I bet you. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> the Tybee Island Fire Department responded on scene and extinguished the cart. Oh, party poopers. Officers were unable to make contact with the owner, as it appeared he was not home at the time. You know who probably was home at the time? His 12-year-old. Juveniles. His 12-year-old son. <laughs> Juveniles. I have a feeling they were involved in this. And some, the camper. They had a hand in it. Mm-hmm. Later that day, one of our officers spotted a vehicle parked and unoccupied on a dead-end street and noted that the registered owner had an active warrant for his arrest. Why wouldn't he? While checking the area, officers found a man fishing nearby who matched the description of the wanted man. Yeah, he looks down at his notes and he says, okay, the description says he is a man. He will have several firearms on his person. He has a warrant. I can sort of see from this distance that there seems to be some waves in the air which possibly represent the odor of alcohol emitting from the body. After speaking with the fisherman and confirming his identity, the officers informed him that he was wanted because he probably didn't know. Oh, I For I what? no <laughs> idea. As officers moved to place him in handcuffs, the man snatched away and balled his fist while assuming a fighting stance. Oh, goodness. At this time, one officer drew his taser while two others took hold of the fighting fisherman and pulled his arms behind his back. Mm -mm. As the man continued to resist, the officer with the taser briefly deployed it in drive-stun mode, causing the man to fall to his knees. Officers then successfully placed him under arrest and summoned emergency medical personnel to the scene to assess the man's condition. 
Once this was complete, he was transported to the Chatham County Detention Center, where he was booked into custody on his non-local warrant and obstruction. So what happened to the fish? Did they just oh, leave they the fish there? They just let him go. I'm sure. That might have been his dinner. Well, he got fed by the detention center nest. Well, that's true. Yeah. I'm they sure they took him. care of his needs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on Wednesday, August 30th, officers of the Tybee Island Police Department provided uninterrupted law enforcement services during Hurricane Idalia. That afternoon, they responded to the area of Tiberisa Street in reference to an injured person. During the course of the investigation, officers learned that a woman had been walking on Tiberisa Street when a large sign came loose from a nearby building and struck her in the head, knocking her to the ground. Emergency medical personnel responded to the scene and transported the woman to an area hospital for further treatment. This is actually, we saw this. We were walking by there on our way to the sandbar. (laughs) We were walking by the scene of the event. We were. As it transpired. It was the day of the hurricane and we were expecting. The hurricane, at least for us. We were expecting way more. So we were headed to the sandbar. on a rain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we were just moseying by on our way to have a jello shot for Sean and, what's her name? R.I.P. Sean and John (laughs) or or whatever their names were. No, it was Sean and Katie. Yeah, they've, they've got koozies that we borrow sometimes that we don't remember to bring ours. And they just had a random one from a wedding that happened in like, what, 2018 yeah. or something. And we had their names on it. So we're like, oh. Here's to you, Sean and Katie. What, what are they doing these days? I know. Are they still together? Sean and Katie, if you're out there and you got married December 31st, 2018. And you came and to you had Tybee a koozie Island. on Tybee Island. Let us know we how it's going. We would love to hear it. Help us track these people down. You can be down. on the podcast. Help us track these people down. <laughs> and we'll reward you with absolutely nothing. But we will say your name. <laughs> So we saw the lady in the back of the ambulance as we're walking by. You remember? I do. And actually, there's more to this story than what they say here. I don't know if it's true, but it's what the bartender told us. Do you remember that? What I think was actually true was that she was part of the camera crew. She was the reporter that was going to report on the weather. And so mm-hmm. they had to pull in another reporter. Yeah. So we, we saw the broadcast. By, they were changing them out. Yeah. It's almost like, good thing we brought two reporters. Now I said there was no hurricane, but we did have, and I measured it with my app. It's uh, we had, our winds were about thirty six miles an hour, mm-hmm. which are very very brisk. Mm-hmm. So there were some downed limbs and stuff, and I think our son's power was out for days, wasn't it? Yeah, but he lives on Wilmington Island. We didn't get ever lose power out here. We didn't, but there was a lot of wind. Yeah, and a sign came I off lost of a, a potted building. plant. Yeah, R.I.P. Potted Plant. Yeah. You lose one every time there's a every gust, time. though. It doesn't have to be a storm. <laughs> I do lose Wind a lot of Potted blows, Plant. She's convinced to put these ceramic things like right on the edge of a second-story balcony. That was balcony. an accident. The third time or the first time? <laughs> Those were plastic, and oh. they just cracked anyway. Oh, well, you just needed new stuff. I do. On Friday, September 1st, one of our officers stopped a vehicle for driving the wrong way on a one-way street. Get him, I say. Yeah. That's my pet peeve. While speaking with the driver, the officer noticed that the eyes were red and glossy and that there was an odor similar to that of an alcoholic drink emitting from within the vehicle. Let's do like Barney Fife. Let's come up with like code words for this stuff so we can be like, there's an Alpha Charlie happening right here. (laughs) The officer also spotted open containers of alcohol in the center cup holders. Why not? He could have a white claw. During, (laughs) During the course of the subsequent investigation... The officers found additional evidence to suggest that the man had been operating the vehicle while under the influence of alcohol. He was then placed under arrest and charged with wrong way on a one-way, driving while license suspended, and DUI less safe. 
He even had a suspended license. Well, why wouldn't you? I tell you what, I really wish we could get to be friends with some of these officers around here. We see them all the time. There's a couple of them that come into the sandbar when we're every there. Every night. They come in there every night. No, they're not drinking, but no, they're, no, no, they're, they're doing the rounds. Water, they're doing the rounds. And they're just making sure everything's and good. And they're real nice. Like when I'm just like tipped a bartender just for just for well, being because she had her tip jar water. stolen, remember? Yeah. That's that's why I did it. Somebody came and literally stole the tip jar out of this mm-hmm. bar. But we see them all the time. We should make friends with them so maybe we could hear a little bit deeper tellings of the stories if they're allowed to talk about them. Well, there was an incident that happened at the sandbar the other night, if you recall. They had to come in and yeah, we were straighten there. that out. Yeah, there's a whole thing, bloody knuckles and all. Mm-hmm. No, not that. Oh, that was a different incident. Yeah. I'm talking at the sandbar. I'm talking about, yeah, I'm talking about the guy came in and clearly he's a local and everybody knows him, but he got ID'd by the doorman and got mad. Oh, yeah. So that. then he said he put his hands on him and it was a whole thing. The police officer had to come in and took a bottle, empty bottle of liquor out. I don't know why, but it was a whole thing. Yeah, well, at least there were no warrants. Well, we don't know that yet. They were aware yet. of, I don't we know. We don't know that yet. On Saturday, September 2nd, one of our officers stopped a vehicle for traveling 55 miles per hour in a 35 mile per hour zone. That can get your license taken. Get it cut up right in front of you. (laughs) While speaking with the driver, the officer noticed that the man had watery eyes and slurred his words as he spoke. When asked, the man admitted to drinking alcohol before driving that evening. And he just just came right out with it. He's just honest. There must be more to this story. During the course of the subsequent investigation, the officer found additional evidence to suggest that the man had been operating a motor vehicle while under the influence of alcohol. What more evidence do you need? He said he did it. Oh, I did it, officer. <laughs> At that time, he was placed under arrest and charged with speeding, open container, and DUI. But as the officers attempted to secure the man in the rear of the patrol vehicle, he suddenly became violent, kicking and kneeing officers before biting one on oh, the left no. shoulder. Get it on Mike Tyson. Yeah. Over. While being transported to the Chatham County Detention Center, the man spit at an officer through the prisoner divider, threatened to kill the cops, and to have sexual relations with their mother's souls. Wow, that escalated quickly. <laughs> did. That that what went the heck did really, he drink? really dark. <laughs> His violent antics would earn him additional charges of simple battery on a law enforcement officer and felony obstruction. See, he was probably just going to walk out, like you know, up until that point. They're just going to let him leave on foot, like they you did know, that other guy. <laughs> well, you know what? Just leave the car here. Come get it tomorrow when you sober up. <laughs> yeah. But instead. You start saying this stuff, now we got to tase you. <laughs> now you're getting tased. Now you're getting tased, son, <laughs> and you know why. It's your fault. You're biting somebody, yeah. You bit me on the shoulder. I can't believe they didn't tase him after he did that. I would have tased him. <laughs> I wouldn't even have to be a police officer, and I don't own a taser, but I'd go to Walmart and buy one. Is that where you get them? I don't think so. Well, I figure I'll figure that out. On Sunday, September 3rd, one of our officers stopped a vehicle for speeding and failing to maintain its lane. While speaking with the officer... The officer noticed that her pupils appeared extremely dilated. It's like when Layla sees meaty food. (laughs) When asked, the woman admitted to taking prescription medication that day. Didn't say whose it was. I like the way it says, (laughs) oh yeah, I took prescription medication today. You know what this prescription medication morphine is, isn't it? (laughs) During the course of the subsequent investigation... The officer found additional evidence <laughs> to suggest. I'm just seeing like a spoon. <laughs> it's somebody's prescription in Norway. She was under the influence of an unknown drug. Mm. She was then placed under arrest and charged with speeding, failure to maintain, and UI less safe. Mm. But we don't know what she was doing. 
No, there was no, no evidence she found. She so she didn't have it with her. She literally did just take all of it yeah. before she got in her <laughs> she car. She told him she took it, but she wouldn't say I, what it was. I took all of it. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was a prescription for something. <laughs> so as far as violations this couple of weeks, we only had the regular stuff, except for we had one fire on the beach. Cool. And we had one person grilling in the parking lot. That is definitely a felony. <laughs> I bet when they got over there to find out, then he found out that there were also people with no licenses, warrants for their arrest. Oh, yeah. Pet. They probably had a pet they were about to sneak down on the beach. That's probably where the dog at large came from. (laughs) And, of course, they were probably also littering. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that guy with fire on the beach, they definitely tased him. (laughs) Well, they probably didn't, but they should (laughs) have. I'm all about tasing somebody. Yeah. It doesn't say why there was a fire on the beach. You just assume that because the dude that was grilling was in a parking lot. I know. So there was a fire on the beach and we didn't even get So the get fire that. on the beach could have been somebody there at the plane thrower. You don't know. It's not <laughs> being descriptive enough. It could have. This makes me very angry. So much so that I think it's time to go eat dinner. I think and so. come back and record another episode. But uh, make sure to take all your prescription medications before we come back because I don't want this to get haywire. <laughs> okay. Yeah.